you would please open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew, chapter 7, as you know, we are working our way through this classic portion of Scripture entitled the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking to his followers. Uh, This is not a sermon for the masses as much as it is for those that are following him, those disciples, those have come to faith in Christ. And he speaks to them of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. He's elaborating on the commandments of God and not just the outward observance of commandment, but also the inward observance of the heart. Because that's what God is really interested in. He's interested in our hearts, being sincere, being humble, being honest before him. And we come today to chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 12. And Jesus is going to speak about asking, seeking, and knocking. And if you would, just follow with me as we read through just these few verses that we'll be looking at together today. Matthew 7, picking it up in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus says, listen, ask, seek, knock. God wants to give. God wants to bless. And, you know, just comparing it to an earthly father, how much more your heavenly father wants to give good things. Now, if we just take it kind of at its face value, kind of pull it out of its context here for just a minute, almost sounds like a blank check, right? What do you need today? Ask God. He'll come through for you. You know, just God's ready to give you anything your little heart desires. (laughs) But that's not the way to look at this passage. We need to look at it actually within the context of the whole sermon. Now, God will give you good things. And God wants to give us and bless us with good things. But let's understand the setting of this sermon. And then I think we'll we'll get better insight into what Jesus is communicating. Uh, Just kind of a review of this sermon very quickly. You'll remember how Jesus started back in chapter 5. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus kind of set the the tone for his message saying, Listen, the kingdom of God is not not apprehended by the self-righteous. It's not apprehended by those that, that imagine they can earn it and somehow keep the commandments in a way that somehow they have deserved it. Jesus said the kingdom is really made available to those that are poor in spirit. He's talking about a humility of heart. Those that would come to the Lord and say, Lord, I acknowledge that that I have need of a Savior. I have need of your mercy and your grace. This is the entrance to the kingdom of God, the honest heart who recognizes his own poverty before God. To that heart, God opens the kingdom. To that heart, God provides grace and mercy for those who recognize their spiritual need, their need for a Savior, their need for Jesus. 
He has told us about this life in the kingdom, what it looks like. And, and as you kind of hear some of the, you know, just the reminders of what we've been looking at, I don't know about you, but as I read through this, I feel, Lord, I am poor in spirit. I don't measure up to the fullness of what you're describing here as kingdom living. Remember what he said, that life in the kingdom uh, would be filled with those who will rejoice even in persecution. That's not easy to do. That we would be salt and light in our generation. That we would obey the commandments, not merely with an outward ritual observance, but really from the heart. Jesus would, would contrast what you've heard taught with what I'm here to say, right? He says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Listen to how he expands on some of the teachings. You have heard it said that thou shalt not murder, but I say to you, don't even allow hatred in your heart, which is the seed of murder. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, don't even look with adulterous eyes, for in so you, you commit adultery in your heart. You have heard it said, you should not divorce without a certificate. But I say to you that you shouldn't divorce at all, except under most unique and limited circumstance. Jesus really kind of narrowing down the commands and applying them into the heart. You have heard it said, don't swear falsely. But I say to you, don't swear at all. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. You have heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say, turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. You have heard it said, love your neighbor. But I say, love even your enemies. Wow. When we hear, hear Jesus elaborate on the, on the true call of God for kingdom living, we all recognize, Lord, I do not yet measure up to that standard. I can, I can ascend to it in my mind and say, that's good, those are great virtues. But Lord, in my own strength, in my own ability, I have to acknowledge that I am poor in spirit. What about prayer? Jesus has taught us to pray. The Lord's Prayer is in this sermon. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He's taught us about how to manage our resources. Don't lay up treasure in earth, but rather invest in heaven. Don't be anxious. Trust in the Lord for all provision. Consider the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. Seek first his kingdom. And most recently, we looked at not to judge one another with hypocrisy. First, remove the plank, the beam that is in your own eye, then help your brother remove the speck that is in his eye. As I said, I think as I've worked through this and we've looked at these things together, my own heart just says, Lord, help me. Oh God, I need to be, do better in that area, right? Don't, don't ever worry. Oh Lord, I'm worrying all the time. Don't ever be critical and judge one another. Lord, I can barely, you know, get to the, you know, through, through a day without feeling some kind of a critical judgment in my heart. So you see that, that God uh, puts out this beautiful call, but we recognize that in our own strength, we're really not able to live up to it. Almost overwhelming at times, like, Lord, where do I begin? I am a project. I am just this case. Where do I get started, Lord, on all the things that I really would like to surrender to you in obedience? You know, the Apostle Paul talked about this, even his own heart, in Romans chapter 7. And I'll have this verse for you on the overhead. You don't need to turn. But Paul said this in Romans 7, starting in verse 18. 
For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Paul himself recognized that this, you know, I I want to follow this kingdom uh, pattern, but I recognize that in my own strength, that is in my flesh, I don't have the capacity to, to reach that goal. He would go on in verse 24 of Romans 7, and he would say, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the Sermon on the Mount is to bring each of our heart to that place of poorness of spirit, to where we recognize there's the standard, there's the call, and I, and I need the Lord's help. I cannot live out these Christian virtues apart from His grace, His Spirit empowering me. It really begins with Jesus. That's why Paul said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has provided the deliverance. He has provided, of course, forgiveness for my sin. His sacrifice for my sin at the cross of Calvary. His resurrection demonstrating His victory over death, sin, and the grave. And as I put my faith and trust in what He has done, my sins are forgiven. I'm made righteous before God. It gives me that right standing, but then also by His grace, I begin the journey of living out my faith. It doesn't end at the moment of conversion. It's just beginning. And so now I believe that Jesus is talking about, here's how you live these things out. You're going to have to ask, seek, and knock. You're going to have to pray for your own spiritual well-being. He's kind of summarizing now. He's gone through these commands and he said, now, now here's how you're going to live in it. You're going to have to ask for help. You're going to have to seek. You're going to have to knock. You're going to have to pursue God in relationship. And He, by grace, is going to empower you to live out these things that He's called us to. These virtues, they are beyond our attainment, but they become available to us by the grace of God. We might put it this way. We cannot live the Sermon on the Mount by ourselves, and yet... As we look to God, it becomes the key to living the Sermon on the Mount. It is His grace. And as we come in poorness of spirit, we begin this journey and this relationship with Him. I want to say to you that your Christian life is a lifelong transformation. And God is wanting to take you from where you are to a finish line. Paul said, I've finished the race. I've come to the end of my journey. And all of us are somewhere in that process. And what Jesus gives us here are some very practical ways to keep that process going and growing in our lives. You need to be in pursuit of God's help. So in that context, in that understanding, we look again to this instruction in verse 7, and we realize that he is calling us to pursue the kingdom. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. 
It's not a blank check for anything that I want, but rather practical advice on pursuing what he has described as kingdom living. He's telling us to pursue these things, first of all, with persistence. It's not a one-time prayer. Lord, transform my life into the image of Christ. Amen. It doesn't end there, does it? No, that's why he says, you know, ask, seek, and knock. And the Greek tense of the verbs here, it's this present ongoing. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It's not a one-time thing, but rather a continual thing. That describes my my Christian journey. I'm, I'm always having to need more grace and more help. And Lord, now we're working on this area of my life. We just got this one managed. And now oh, I find something else in my heart that needs to be surrendered. And so I'm seeking, I'm asking, I'm knocking. Lord, change my heart. I want to be that man that I believe you've called me to be. This is consistent with what we see in the New Testament believers. This, this pursuit, this, this passion to become all that God has called us to be. Again, I quote the Apostle Paul out of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Okay, thank you for that one. (laughs) We're not yet attained. We're not perfected. And boy, if the Apostle Paul wasn't there yet, you know we aren't there yet. But listen, listen. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I'm not giving up. I'm not there, but I'm still pressing. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." This describes the Christian passion. This describes the pursuit of our life to to lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. I don't know all that Christ has for me today, not yet. I have some things in view, but I know this, that whatever it is, that's what I want. Because I have discovered that what he wants for my life is better than what I want for my life. I've, had, I've tasted some of my own, you know, choices. How about you? I thought they were good ideas in the moment. I thought I really wanted it. I thought this is who I really wanted to be, only to find out that it was a disaster. But the things that God has worked in my life, I have no regrets. Over here, I have many regrets. But in the things that God, I've allowed Him to really work into my life, into my character, into my, into my walk. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's what I want more of. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Guys, I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. I'm not perfected. But that's where I'm headed. And everything else is in the rearview mirror. I'm pressing forward to those things that God has for me. The other thing that I want to say to you today is don't get discouraged during the process. That happens to us because we don't transform as quickly as we would like to. You know, we're not like the transformers that you see on TV, right? They just turn into this completely different. We're not, we, don't, we don't quite transform that fast. It's a long journey and a process. But don't get discouraged because Jesus said, listen, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, it will be opened. 
God is not playing favorites. You look around and you say, wow, he's really becoming, she's really doing well. You know, God must have a special plan for them. I'm just, you know, chopped liver over here. I'm not getting the good. But that's not what the Lord says. No, listen, God has something good for all. It's, it's your responsibility to ask and to seek and to pursue it. And God will open it up to you. That's his promise. Don't get discouraged. Don't think that somehow you don't qualify. Or that because of your past, maybe, or your, your shortcomings, that somehow you've been disqualified. Listen, the gospel, if the gospel can't save us all, then it's not, it can't save any of us. The gospel is, a, is the power of God unto salvation. God can work with anybody that will make themselves available by asking, by seeking, by knocking. Galatians 6.9 says this, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. It takes time to bring in a harvest. It takes planting and sowing and waiting on the rain and the, and the harvest time. But, but don't get discouraged in your process because God will bring that harvest in and through your life. And I would say this just practically. When you find moments of discouragement, because they come to all of us, you know, I, I, I find things in my own heart and I just think, Lord, oh, am I ever going to do better in this area? Lord, am I ever going to really not react like that when a situation comes up? Am I ever going to be more like Christ in this particular aspect of my life? And I can become discouraged and feels like, you know, it's just not working. But I would say this practically, don't, don't look so much about where you are and where you still have to go. Think about where you are and where you used to be and know that God has done great and mighty things. And all of us, if you've walked with the Lord for any season of life, surely you can look back and you can say, boy, I am not like I used to be. Now, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God Look how far the Lord has brought me. And the promise is this. He who has begun a good work in you, he will be faithful to finish it. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. Pick yourself up. Dust yourself off. Get back to the Lord. Ask him to forgive you and cleanse you and to then empower you to go again. And that is the Christian journey. It is a, a, a day by day surrendering ourselves to the Lord and his work. Now, not only are we to pursue God uh, with this kind of persistence, but we also see in this text that we should be pursuing him with a certain degree of confidence. Listen again, verse 9. What man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Here's the confidence, church. Here's the confidence that as you seek God, he will answer. It's not based on anything that you can merit in your own strength, but rather it is anchored in his goodness because he loves you he is not just a faraway god off in the cosmos 
He is your heavenly Father. Jesus says your Father loves you. He knows what you need even before you ask. He knows the number of hairs numbered upon your head. His eye is on you. His heart is toward you. And when you ask, He will bless. And He he likens it to just the common understanding of even human fathers. Look, even, even fallen, kind of imperfect dads, we try to give good things to our children. And Jesus said, look, if we in our imperfection have that heart, we want to do well for our kids. If that's true, how much more? And that's a good way to think about it. How much more? I want to tell you it's infinitely more that God desires to bless. Now, I know that in a, like this morning, there will be some here today that you do not have a good picture of your heavenly father because you don't have a good earthly father. Some of you may have grown up in single parent homes. You didn't even grow up with a father's influence. Or maybe you had a father whose influence was not good. And I would say to you this morning that even in that setting, first of all, God can give you grace to forgive. And second of all, God can still impart something into your heart. Even though you don't have maybe the perfect example in your life, you can know in your heart what it was supposed to be like. You know what a good father is. And use that model as a how much more starting point for your heavenly father. Regardless of the failures of our earthly fathers. Now, I was blessed. I grew up with a loving, generous earthly father. He's still alive and and he's still that way in my life. So I'm blessed that I have that and I know how much more is my heavenly father. But for those that don't have that good example, listen, God can still put it in your heart that he loves you and that he wants to be that good father that maybe you never had. You know, I I saw this commercial. I'm going to share this commercial with you. Um, It just touched my heart. It just kind of illuminated this whole uh, connecting with fathers. And it kind of, I felt like it fit something of the, what, the essence of what Jesus is communicating. It's a one-minute commercial. Uh, let's watch it together, and I, I think you'll get the picture. Daddy? 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 Dove Men Plus Care. Care makes a man stronger. I've never used Dove, but I'm going to start. <laughs> that touched my heart. What a, what a picture, right? That's, listen, that's, that's what Jesus is trying to, to say in, in a practical illustration. You, you get that, right? If you're a dad, boy, you really get it. Uh, and, and, and even if you, you have a dad, you under, that, that connection. And God, Jesus is saying, look... That's what God, the Heavenly Father, so much more. 
And I, and I want you to consider that this morning. That, I think, is the essence of Jesus calling you to come and seek and ask and knock. Come to a God that loves you, a Father that is just waiting to bless you with the things of the kingdom. Again, not selfish, temporal, uh, you know, silly things, but with good things. The good things that really matter, love, faith, hope, relationship, future, forgiveness. Oh, those are the things that last forever and God so wants transformation, breaking habits, delivering you out of darkness, bringing you into fruitful living for his kingdom. These are the things that he calls you to and these are the things that he longs to give to you. You know, the, the Apostle Paul, he, again, he, he was a man that, that persecuted Christ, you remember. And then he had his road to Damascus experience and became a convert, but not just a convert, he became just a, zealous for, a zealot for Christ. And something of God's love touched his heart so abundantly. Listen to him pray for the church at Ephesus. And, and this would be my prayer for us today. Ephesians 3 and verse 18 that we might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you would know how much you're loved. That you would begin to be transformed by His love. This is the confidence that brings us to prayer. We come to a God who is longing to hear from us, to a Father that is looking to bless us. The final verse there in our text, you all know it, maybe commonly known as the golden rule. He says in verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus is now bringing his sermon to summary. Now, we'll finish up next week. He has some more things to say, but you can see him beginning to summarize. Look, I'm talking to you about commandments. I'm talking to you about the law and how it translates into living and attitude. But listen, here's, if you wanted just a quick synopsis of what captures all of it, here it is. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, you'll notice in verse 12, he says, therefore. In other words, look, in, in, in connection with everything that I'm saying to you, including this asking, seeking, and knocking, let this be the desire of your heart, that you would become a man or a woman that would reflect this love of the kingdom, that you would live your life this way, practically doing for others what you would want done for you. That's the turn the other cheek. That's the extra mile. That's the not judging. That's the, all of that is, is, is summed up in this heart of love one for another. I like the fact that Jesus puts it in the affirmative. In other words, he doesn't just say, look, there are things you don't want people doing to you, then you don't do it to others, right? That's the way, we, that's the way I taught my boys when they would, look, you don't want to get kicked, then you don't kick him, Right? You don't want to get bit, then you don't bite him. That's the way it works. There's the, the negative side of it. And that's a good rule too. But Jesus said, no, it's not just about what you don't do to one another. Think about what you should be doing for one another. Think about the positive 
initiating of love. And doesn't that best describe God's love toward you? For God so loved the world that he gave. He came for you. He's the initiator. We didn't discover him. We didn't find him. He came for us. And he by his spirit brought us, drew drew us to himself. He is the initiator, and so he calls his children of the kingdom to be initiators in this kind of love and walk, actively looking to be a blessing to one another. And it comes to us through a continual relationship with him. This whole process of asking, keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking, it is, it is really the process of the rest of your life. You don't ever get there. You don't ever get to the place, phew, I'm done. I don't have to even ask anymore. You're going to be asking until you go to be with him. A couple of verses here, and I'll close, that just kind of capture this idea of continual relationship. Jesus would say this to us in John 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, that, that abiding is, is, is all about asking, seeking, and knocking. And I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. How much can we do without him? Zip. <laughs> That's why we're poor in spirit. Because we need his grace upon our lives. So this abiding in the vine, if you'll do that, if you'll stay in relationship with Jesus. See, it's not something you manufacture and work up in yourself. It's something that begins to show up on your life like fruit on a tree. You don't see fruit trees out there straining, right? Oranges, oranges today, right? No, you don't see that going on. The tree is just, it's the natural byproduct of good soil and good water and good care. As you abide in the vine, fruit begins to show up on your life. And, 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 And that fruit is the fruit of His Spirit producing love in your heart. Last verse, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Boy, I could go for a harvest of that. (laughs) Huh? Love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, that's the kind of fruit I want on my limbs. That's what I ask for you to produce in my life, and that's my pursuit. That's what I'm knocking for. God, open these things up in and through my heart. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the living words of Jesus spoken these couple thousand years ago over there on a, on a little hillside near the Sea of Galilee, spoken to followers and disciples, and yet, Lord, your words come to life in us this morning as though we were there with you on that day, because your word is living and it's active. God, give us the grace to embrace all that you have for us, Of course, it begins in salvation. That's the free gift. But Lord, beyond that, that we would would be pursuing all of the fruit that 
you saved us to bear. And I ask, God, that you would do it not by our strength or determination, but rather by your grace as we abide in relationship with you. Now, as our heads remain bowed here just for a moment, I do want to give opportunity if you're here today and you want to respond to the Lord's word. It may be that you are here today and you do not know the Lord in a personal way. And maybe, maybe you've been trying to be a good person. Maybe you have been doing your best to kind of you know, demonstrate good virtue in your life. But you realize today that, that you're poor before the Lord. Because in your own strength, like the Apostle Paul, I, I can't work it up in my own ability. I need, I need Jesus. I need to be forgiven. And I need the help that comes from God to live for God. I'd love to pray for you if you've never received Christ and today is a, a moment for you that you want to invite him into your life. I, I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you need to recommit your life to the Lord. You need to rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe if you were honest, you would say, you know, I, I started with the Lord, but somewhere in the process, I stopped asking I stopped seeking, I stopped knocking. And I find myself distant from God today. I find my fruit very, very small on my limbs today. And I need to come back and get back into that pursuit of Him and allowing God to be the priority once again in my life. I'd love to pray for you too. So if you're here today, heads are bowed. This is between you and the Lord. But let me know if you want this prayer. If you're here today, you want to receive Christ for the very first time, or you want to rededicate, recommit your life to him, I would ask you, raise your hand where you're seated, and I'll pray for you. Anybody here today? God bless you. Several hands in the center. Amen. My right and left, really numerous hands throughout today. God bless you. In the back, I see you, sir. Any others? Many have responded right there, dead centered, both of you. God bless you. Over on my far right, far left there, I see you, sir. We're just going to pray and ask God to come into your life. Ask God to come back and, and be the center of your life again. Anybody else, just before I pray for these that have responded. Amen. And so, Lord, for these hearts responding to what I believe is your word and call and and tug upon their heart, I ask that you would meet them with that great love of a father. As they cry out, Lord, even as we watch that video, Daddy, save me, help me. And so there you are. And may your loving arms, by the, by the ministry of your spirit, touch and welcome each heart today. Lord, we would say, please, Lord, forgive us of our sin. We're not here to claim righteousness before you. We're here to claim poverty and, and our need for forgiveness and mercy. But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ the Lord, mercy is available in abundance today. And we receive it by faith, knowing that you died on the cross for us, that you rose from the dead and have called us now to live for you in the kingdom. Give us that power, Lord. Give us that grace. Give us that strength as we abide in you. May you manifest and produce the good fruits of your love, your power. And may it all be for your glory, we ask now in Jesus' name. Amen.